Let's buy it. All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1 this morning. 2 Corinthians 1. I did want it to, while we're getting there, while you're getting there, uh, it's interesting the, the fact that um, one of the things that, that pointed, that was, that come out in Brother Chris's scripture this morning in Micah, one of the things that stood out to me was the word forever. When verse number 18 there, he says, who is, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth my transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. That's a long time, praise God. Amen. And, uh, and so I put the number four and then the word ever next to it with an exclamation point in my, in my margin there. Um, because he delighteth in, in, in mercy. Of course, he went ahead and said, I'll read 19 for those that wasn't here. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So the word forever really stood out to me when Brother Chris, in the fact that, um, as it puts it there, he retaineth not his anger forever. And then when Brother Glenn, and I'll make reference probably here in, in, in chapter 14, not his, uh, although it was amazing that God's got him there this morning, but uh, as I was looking, because as he was teaching, and, and I, I knew I was preaching this morning, it, it clicked about the Comforter, which is also in chapter 14. But in verse number 16, I know, I know he's going to get there, but uh, John 14, 16 says, And I will pray... The Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Keep that word in mind. Comforter, that he may abide with you. Here it is again, forever. Woo! I'm just telling you. And so our sins are gone. Our, 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 the, the, the judgment for our sins are upon our sins, and our sins are gone forever. And the comforter is given to us forever as a child of God. What a blessing. And then uh, you'll understand a little bit more of it as we get into our text uh, this morning here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you know the passage of Scripture, uh, there hath no temptation taken you, but as such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So that scripture talks about temptation and not, uh, 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 as it says, um, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. There are a lot of folks out there that will take that verse and misquote it. And misapply it. The scripture is often misquoted, this scripture, by saying that God will not put on you more than you are able to bear. Not what it says. It says, it deals with temptation specifically there. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. And the temptations that comes our way in the same scripture are nothing new. It's common to man. Jesus Christ himself, while he was on this earth, was tempted in all points as we are. 
yet without sin. So he understands our temptations because he was tempted in all points. He understands when we are tempted and the trials that he suffered, even the, you know, the death of the cross, he suffered. So he understands suffering. He understands temptation. He understands trials. He understands all these things because he come to the earth and he put on, he took upon himself, the Bible tells us, the form of a servant. We dealt with that scripture just a few weeks ago. And so he understands us because he became man. I don't understand it all. He was 100% God, 100% man. He, 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 he tired. He thirsted. He was hungry. He suffered. And so when we face those same things, knowing that he understands is a big, big part of our abilities to keep going through those things. Um, here in our text, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, again, so, so many times people, again, will say, God will not put on you more than you are able to bear. We... We, by Job's example, understand that God allows and restricts certain sufferings to come our way. Job, Satan said, what about Job? And and God said, okay, all that he has, you can touch. God gave permission to Satan to touch his possessions. So that's exactly what Satan did, took it all from him. Job suffered the loss of all possessions, and his children. But when he lost it all, he sinned not. He worshiped the Lord in his loss. And then God, and then, of course, Satan presented himself to the Lord again and said, all right, let me touch his, let me touch his body. And God said, okay, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. Amen. So at boils, I've had, I've had boils. I've got a scar on the back of my neck from a boil. And I've had boils, just single or double boils from on my body. There was a period of time that, um, that I would get those and had a tendency to get those, and they are very painful, to say the least. I had one that come up here on, there's a nerve <laughs> that comes right down through, and it come up right here on the, on the corner of my jawbone, and I was getting ready to go to some training that required me to wear a gas mask. <laughs> that come right here around my jawbone. And so I happened to be on some leave right prior to that. Went to the, the uh, walk-in clinic, and uh, the doctor said, uh, we've got a couple of options. I can give you some antibiotics. It'll go away on its own. Or I can go ahead and cut it, try to drain it, and, it'll be, and give you some antibiotics. That way it'll be done quicker. I said, I need, I'm going to be wearing a gas mask. I need to be taken care of quicker. So that's what he did, put a little wick in it and then shut it up with some, some butterflies and I was on my way. But anyway, I've had some trouble with boils. I can understand, but to, to, in my mind, imagine from head to foot all over my body and to scrape yourself with a potter's shell. I just, he suffered. But yet, he worshiped the Lord in his sufferings. 
He didn't sin against the Lord by his mouth in his sufferings. So we have Job's example in that, in the fact that Satan, you know, I mean, that God allows sometimes things to come our way, but he restricts those things. So in that sense, when, we, when people are misquoting the part about God not putting on you more than you're able to bear, he allows things and he restricts things. So maybe you could get that thought from there, but people often get, go and misquote 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's talking about temptations. But then we also, but we read throughout Scripture of suffering and tribulations that may come our way as a child of God. We've gone through the Scriptures uh, back some time ago. Uh, Brother Chris was in, in Bible college at the time and uh, hadn't been here long, and he asked if we could go through the Scriptures and the pastoral epistles. And so we began... Uh, with First Timothy, and we went through the scriptures on Sunday nights, and uh, wound up. We skipped Hebrews, and <laughs> we wound up going all the way through Third uh, John, skipping Hebrews in that. But so we were in First and Second Peter, and as we were in First Peter, we read much about the sufferings uh, and how that we may enter into some sufferings. And he deals with this. I wanted to bring four, uh, chapter four, verse seventeen through. 19, 16 through 19 of 1 Peter, he talks about uh, suffering as a Christian. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Does that not sound like Job? Job suffered. He didn't understand his sufferings, but he, glor- he praised the Lord. He's naked I came into the world, and naked I will return. He understood that everything that Job, all those possessions that God had allowed him to have and was taken away in one day, he knew that God had given them to him in the beginning, and so who was he? And he had that attitude. We're going to see that about that. Of course, we know that at the end of Job's life, we read the end of Job, we will see that his possessions was double of what he had in the beginning. Because in all that he sinned not. But so we in Peter here, 1 Peter 4, 16, yet if any man suffer, key words here, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on on this behalf. For the time has come, uh uh-oh, The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer, here it is, according to the will of God. What? God, it's God's will that... Christians sometimes suffer? Yeah. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And I couldn't help, and for those that we've said it here quite a few times, after reading that, let me read that again, and then I'll read Brother Larry Rain's famous statement. <laughs> that I've heard him say a million times, or several times. 
Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto, key word here, a faithful creator. In our sufferings, we need to remember that he's faithful. He's faithful to send that comforter, and that comforter, we just read in John 14, is going to abide with us forever. He's faithful. And we're going to see in, 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 in our text here in just a minute, I hadn't got there yet, in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 1, of the faithfulness of the Lord, how that we are to take tribulations and trials, and then maybe why, why they are presented to us and then what in, uh, inevitably comes uh, on the other end of it. But Brother Larry Raines says, again, going to keep uh, uh, the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing unto, as unto a faithful creator. Brother Raines often says, God loves us too much to do us wrong, and he's too wise to make a mistake. So when... Sufferings come, when trials come, when tribulations come, remembering that God loves us. He's a faithful creator, the Bible tells us there in First Peter 4.19. And, and wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him. So commit your souls to him as, a, as unto in well-doing as into a faithful creator, all right? So we see that. And so our, our text here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 1, I'll read through verse number 11, I believe, verse number 1 through 11, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and to Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now, I've preached out of this text back some time ago on the God of all comfort. And although it will maybe be touched on in this message, it's not necessarily the, the whole part of the message. But we see, and we read in John chapter 14, that he would, when he left, he was going to send a comforter, and the comforter was going to be with us forever. So Paul understood this. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for our, I'm sorry, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation." And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of these sufferings, so shall ye also be of the consolation. Now, verses 8 through 11 is one sentence. So you've got to keep that in mind when we read some of, these, some of these passages. For we would not 
brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many. On our behalf. And I've got a message entitled, I put a title to it. I was like, what in the world? So I put a title to it, Attitudes About Affliction. Attitudes About Affliction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know I've already spoke for several minutes now, but Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see uh, as we read there in Peter and we read now in Second Corinthians, both of these men in, in their writings speaking of afflictions and sufferings that may come our way and uh, the attitude that we can have and should have, even in Job's example, uh, when sufferings do come our way, that uh, you are one that can succor us, that you are one that will comfort us and will help us. And Lord, there's a consolation, as Brother Glenn brought out in the Sunday school hour, that uh, be not... um, uh, trouble because there is a mansion awaiting for us in heaven, and we are, there are some consolations that we have to look forward to uh, beyond this life. And so, while we are in this life, we can face these troubles and tribulations and sufferings, knowing that one day it'll all be over. And uh, Lord, uh, and uh, according to to Romans chapter eight, uh, it's not to be compared of the sufferings that we suffer in this life the glory that we'll enjoy on the other side. Help us, Lord, as we go through to have the proper attitude and to look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith. I pray and ask that you guide and direct in the message, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. So going back through here, we see in verse number 4, I'm trying to, to the way that I put things together, it's just Scripture, but uh, I have Scripture references, and sometimes I get them out of order. But... Uh, it's one of those deals, again, I do have a title this time around, Attitudes About Affliction, and all these points here do start with an A. So sometimes they come out alliterated, but it's right here. We see it all in our text. Let's look back in verse number 4. So verse number 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our, in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So the ability to comfort, the ability to comfort, we see in verse number 4, by his mercies and comfort in all, that says right there, who comforteth in all our tribulations. And of course he deals with mercies there and all comfort there in verse number 3. So he is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation. So by his mercies and comfort in all, we are, ma- we are uh, made able to be comforted from our tribulations and then also comfort them or others in any trouble. 
So oftentimes, I think, and as I was putting this together, and, and I, I brought this out a little bit in that other message, but I was rehearsing. Of course, we, we announced uh, some, uh, uh, some honeymoon, honeymoon babies headed our way, twins. Uh, a little earlier, we announced that. But, you know, and, and of course, in thinking about that, if I had two daughters uh, this year, a daughter and a daughter-in-law this year that, uh, uh, that had a miscarriage early in, in their, in their uh, expectancy, and then Elizabeth lost a child, went to, had a heartbeat, went 18, 18 weeks into the 40-week uh, gestation period there uh, and um, growth period and whatever the period is called. But went 18 weeks and they lost a heartbeat and they had to birth a stillborn. So with those three, so there's three in, in, in heaven that I'll meet one of these days if we truly believe that life begins at conception, um, we'll, we'll have several in heaven that we've not met on this side of life. But, uh, you know, in all of that, um, you know, and the trouble that it brought to my, my family members, uh, the miscarriages and then the stillborn that Elizabeth experienced, you know, when you're going through some of the things, and then my son... <laughs> My son was sharing some things of some troubles that has been going in his life of late. Uh, uh, one of them was the fact that his wife had miscarried, another uh, that he lost his job, and uh, and then of course you know. They, but but I seen as I as I talked the other day to to be able to see young people uh, tested in their faith. It's not it's a difficult thing, especially for mamas. <laughs> so. Uh, when we found out about it, you know, he's already secured another job. He starts next week, but, uh, but he had already been out of a job for three, you know, three and a half weeks. And when we found out about it, and mom's like, why haven't we known about it? <laughs> and it's like, but they didn't let anybody know about it. They just kept it to themselves and prayed. And I thank the Lord for that. Because he was also testifying of God's provision during that time. He didn't let mom and dad know. He didn't let in-laws know. He just said, let's just, God knows, and, and we'll find out what God's trying to do in us in this, during this time. There's some other things. Her, his father-in-law went to the hospital during that same time. There's a lot of, a lot of tr- trouble that come their way during that time. But to hear him testify the fact that, you know, just God was right on time, provided for him. Uh, there was a man that about killed me one day. <laughs> the one and only time in my life that I ever put hay up. <clears throat> when I was uh, 52 years old. Um, uh, so this guy has a big Kubota tractor, and he's got one of those, uh, one of those deals that picks up the, the hay and puts it on a conveyor belt and just drops it onto a big, long trailer and it was mine and Philip's job to take it from off that conveyor belt and stack it on the back of that trailer. And he put that dude in high gear. <laughs> it was like, it, it looked like Lucy and, and uh, uh, the, her friend on that chocolate factory, you know, when, when it was coming faster on the conveyor belt than they could, uh, so they started putting it in their mouths. But I was doing it before Philip got there, and I'm like, would you slow down? I'm about to die back here. Anyway, Philip ran into that same farmer in his tractor and said, uh, you got any hay to put up? He said, uh, or he said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I've been working hay. 
And all he was doing was either cutting it or bailing it or whatever. And he said, you need, you need any help? And he said, well, I'm, not, I'm just doing it for them. He said, you need to talk to them. So he went back in and talked to the, uh, this other farmer. And he said, you're right on time. So, you know, in three hours' work, uh, he, made, he made some money. And just being at the right place at the right time, providentially, God provided. God provided some other ways that he shared with me. And it, it was a blessing to see how that... Mom and daddy not knowing about it, in-laws not knowing about it, other people not knowing about it, but just praying and trusting God for provision that God provided. And then their faith grew. Didn't we hear something like that last week? (laughs) Their faith grew as a young couple in that, and that just thrilled my soul, yeah, you know, from... The preacher point of view that to see that in my children and from a father's point of view as well to see that in my children so so this ability to comfort I, I said all that say this you know their hardship now and what they've experienced in the last several weeks and seeing God move then now gives them the ability to see other young couples in the future they may be going through some similar hardships and their ability to say, hey, that happened to me once. <laughs> this is what I did about it. Just trust God. Just hang in there. And same with Elizabeth. When she, you know, now she's had several miscarriages. Of course, she's the mother of six. I mean, that's here. And then she's had that, that, the stillborn. And uh, for now, her sufferings. And, and, and people maybe fuss at me or just, question me, why are you always using, and even preachers, uh, the family, why are you always using, well, that's my, that's what I know, I know my family, I don't know your sufferings necessarily unless you share them with me, and then I won't say anything unless you allow me to share, but my family, but, but you just in general, we look at Job, how many centuries later, we see Job's suffering, we see Job's example, that he cursed, he didn't curse God. He worshiped God in his sufferings. But but that's exactly what it's saying here. We have the ability to comfort. Why? Of because of our tribulations, because of our sufferings. So we see that. So he is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations. So we look to him for comfort. In our tribulations, but then it goes on to say that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. And it's by the same comfort. We just point them to the Lord. By, I circle that, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So when we are comforted by God in our tribulations, then there may be somewhere down the line somebody comes up and they've got the same thing that we had gone through. And then we can say, all right, this is what happened to me, very similar to what happened to you, whether it's the death of a spouse. I don't understand that in your 50s, right, brother? So you're in your 50s? I'm in my 50s. And for the life of me, I could not understand losing Lisa at this part of our life. But if I did, I know who's been through it. I know who I could draw some counsel from. I knew I could draw some strength from. Why? Because he's been through it. 
So, oh, that's not my family. Sister Sherry's been through it, losing a spouse. So where I could go to a man and understand how a man processes all that, ladies who loses a spouse could go to Sister Sherry or Sister Debbie or others and, they, and get some strength and help on, on how God helped them through that. And, and so sometimes we don't understand the trouble, the trial, the tribulation that we happen to be going through at this given time. But then if we think in this manner, in this, in this light, and maybe not understand it for ourselves, but, but we do seek and find comfort from the Lord, but there may be a time in the future that we could be drawn upon to comfort others in any of their trouble, pointing to the same comfort, the same comforter that we got comfort from, the ability to comfort, verse number 4. Then the abounding consolation, verse number 5, the abounding consolation, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. For whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Your consolation and salvation. So consolation... The short version, the root word, we would say console. So Paul suffered some things. And I, I've got some of the things that he suffered. And some is, is, is listed here in this book. And it's not just him. Uh, uh, earlier in verse number 1 it says, And Timothy, our brother. And other preachers. We see a lot of Paul's sufferings. We mention a lot of Paul's sufferings. But there's also some other brothers with Paul. That who also suffered. And so the abounding consolation, comfort, alleviation from misery or distress of mind. So there's the distress of mind and then we have um, at the refreshment of mind or spirits, that which comforts or refreshes the spirits. So refreshing of the mind and the refreshing of the spirit. Paul says here, uh, in verse number 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth. The key words there are by Christ. Again, we find comfort in, in Him. He has sent us comfort in our tribulations, and then we can comfort others in the same trouble, in the same tribulations. So that same comfort, that same consolation. I don't know what it's like to lose a father yet. But I know what it's like to lose a mother. And so I, have, I can empathize with people that loses their mother. And I can console them in that because I've experienced that. Not the father yet. But a parent, you can generalize that. A parent, I have experienced that. But not a spouse. Some of you have and could console others in that. I've never lost a house in a tornado. All my possessions gone. In a few seconds of time, that could happen. We're in Oklahoma. And if it does happen, could we 
like Job. Thank the Lord in it. I was set up this September was National Preparedness Month, and I was set up a few times. We had a display and was having some free stuff to give out. In my other job, my secular job, and as I was talking with people, you know, they're like, what you got there? Is this free? You know, <laughs> Sure, come on over. It's National Preparedness Month. We're, we're encouraging folks to have a plan for disasters and, and have a kit for disasters, build a kit for disasters, and here's some free stuff. And so we get to talking. There's people that stop by the table like that. And they'd say, you know, I was in the such, I was in the more tornado, and I lost it every, you know, or I'm or I'm ready because it was close to me, and I've got it all backed up. I got all my pictures on hard drive on flash drives. I got it all backed up and safe. All my important papers are are duplicated, and I've got it in a safe place. So if it blows it all away, I've got it. I've got some things to take care of. So there are people that's prepared. There are people that's lost it all. All they've got is memories. No pictures, no photographs, nothing like that. Again, we can read Job and we can look to him as our example, but then there may be other people that have experienced those type of troubles, those type of things that we could console. And he says so here, so so that consolation, again, that comfort that we can comfort people, their ability to comfort, but then to console people, it abounds. We're, we're able to abound. If, if, if it's anything, I mean, let's just read it. Paul, here in, in 2 Corinthians 11, speaks of some of the things that he suffered. Um, verse number 24, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. I'll back up. Verse number 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice, that's three times, thrice, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings, often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings, often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And then he, even in our text here, he said in verse number 8, Again, that one sentence, 8 through 11, let's just read this and we're going to maybe get to, the, to that here in a second. He says, we would not have you, we, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Our, it's not just Paul here, our trouble. So there, he mentions Timothy in verse number 1, other preachers are suffering as well. Our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength in so much that we despaired even of our life. I had to read that several times and to try to grasp a hold of that and then look at my life and saying, the troubles that I trouble, my troubles, my trials, my tribulations, my sufferings, nothing. Nothing. I've never been to the place where I can say I was pressed out of measure, above strength. 
above any of my own. I've, I've had some pain and very little in my lifetime, but there have been times that I have experienced some actual physical pain that I'm like, what in the world is going on? Couldn't find any relief. And, you know, you know, they often give you the little, what, the five little smiley faces, I mean, frowny faces or smiley face, you know. And they say, what is your level of pain? Or you look at the, you look at the patient's pay, face and you compare it to those five smiley faces or little whatever emojis. What does their face look like compared to these? How much pain are they in when they enter into the, the emergency room? On a scale of 1 to 10, I could say I've probably been in that one time a good 7. But it was a very short time. I was over it. I've not suffered. Pressed out of measure, above strength, more than I could handle. In my, in, that would be a way of saying more than I could handle in my own ability. Insomuch that we despaired even our life and in our vernacular, we wish we were dead. We despaired even our life. Death would have been a release. Death would have been a relief and a release of the pain and suffering that I suffered. Paul and Timothy, others, it said our, that's where they were. Verse number 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. They thought that they were going to die. They despaired even their life. They wished they could have died because they were pressed so much out of measure and then they thought that they were going to die. Verse number 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raiseth the dead. They thought that they were going to die. They were in such pain and agony and distress and trouble. They thought that they were going to die and they just said, okay, we know, we trust. We trust in uh, John 14, 1 and 2. We believed in God. We believe also in Jesus Christ. We know that there's a mansion or in the Father South there are many mansions and he's going to prepare a place for us. They thought that they was getting ready to go. Right. <laughs> they just going to die and they believed in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will raise us up one of these days. There's where they were in life. I've never been there. I could be there. We could all be there tomorrow. We read in, in 1 Peter 4 about suffering as a Christian. Mm. There are people in the world today, Indonesia and other, other places, that suffer as a Christian. By, at the hands of other religions. You talk to Brother Turk, the elder Brother Turk in Indonesia. They've had bombings of churches. Just be at church, worshiping the Lord. Bomb goes off at the hand of religious crowds outside. We've not suffered that way. America has not been that way. But if it comes, could we have the ability like Job, like Paul here in this passage, to be able to take it, to be able to understand it, to be able to help others through it. If we have enough faith, if we have enough strength, 
Do we have enough understanding of it all? Which brings, so that abounding consolation, verse number five, which brings us in the next one, well, it's this attitude about affliction, verse number six. Here's what their attitude, and whether we be afflicted, we, whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. He's talking to the church at Corinth there, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, for whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. They had an attitude, I mean, to be able to be in all the things that we just read there in chapter 11 or over here, (laughs) that they had the sentence of death in themselves. They were pressed without measure, pressed out of measure, above strength. To suffer that way, their attitude was, it's for Christ. It's for the cause of Christ. It's for the church. It's for others that Christ has allowed this to come upon me. That's tough stuff right there. It's for others' consolation that this has happened to me. It's for others' salvation that this has happened to me. An attitude about affliction. What an attitude. Job had that same attitude. God gave it. God take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. But to see, and Job, is blessed to be the name of the Lord, but Paul and these others are saying, it's for somebody else's sake that I'm suffering. And that's so foreign to us, we don't see it. But there's people in this world today, churches, Christians, that suffer because of the fact, no, no other fact, that they're a Christian. I know a missionary in Ukraine, he's currently there, been there the whole time. His first term, he was taken into the police station, and he didn't go into details, but you could tell he suffered at their hands. Because they still had the old mind of the old communist mindset, no communist rule when it comes to Christianity. He... And you can tell, I mean, he went into a little bit. They interrogated him. What To the what extent, I don't know because he didn't go into detail. But he suffered, and he's still there because he suffered. Like Paul, he had an attitude of affliction because he knew that it was for those Ukrainians that he ministered to, their salvation, for their consolation. An attitude about affliction. We read, we read there in 2 Corinthians 11 where Paul was stoned once. And that, that account is, is given there in Acts 14, 19 through 22. And there, came certain, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. That's, that sounds very familiar over here, what he said there, you know, that they, thought, they had the sentence of death in themselves. They supposed Paul was dead. After they stoned him, how be it? As the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, 
and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. <laughs> exhorting them to continue in the faith. Can you imagine being stoned, left for dead, drugged out of the city, and then <laughs> being able to go and say, continue in the faith? Most of us say, that's it, I'm done. But there's, there's story after story after story of, of men and women burned at the stake, Taking the Roman Colosseum. They did not deny Christ. Deny Christ and you can spare yourself. Nope, not denying Christ. They went to their deaths. Not denying Christ. Suffering. Physical. Tribulation. And exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation. Whoop. That we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. They had an attitude about affliction, a good attitude, a proper attitude. Did that keep them from tribulation? No. Did that keep them from suffering? No. But they realized that it was the will of God that it should come upon them. God loves us too much, (laughs) too much to do us wrong, and he's too wise to make a mistake. He may allow sufferings to come, But if we have the attitude of Paul and Timothy here, it's for for somebody else's sake. That's tough. Then the agonizing trouble. We done read that. What agonizing trouble they went through. Verses 8 and 9. We done read that. So there's that point to that. Agonizing trouble. So they had an attitude about affliction. It was for somebody else's sake. The agonizing trouble. They agonized with it. It was... They were pressed out of measure. Then they had assistance in prayer. Verse number 11. Let me read 10 again. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, talking about God, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, yet also helping together by prayer for us. You know, we come down here on Saturday night. I say, hold up. They're just gonna. They're just. They're just gonna read over the prayer list and pray. We read. We read our missionary letters. They, they, the missionaries send their prayer letters. Some have blocks. Some included in the body of their text. Other have blocks of specific things that they would like churches to pray for. They're just. They're just going to pray on Saturday night. They're just going to pray on Wednesday night. Same old prayer there, same old thing. Until you're in tribulation, we'd like to pray for, pray for me. Well, wait a minute. What's our attitude, okay? So they had assistance in prayer. They were saying, look, you, somebody prayed for us. Prayer is a blessing. That's why we have a prayer list. Prayer is a ministry. When you can't go and knock and you can't hold certain positions and you can't play an instrument and you can't sing a tune, you can pray. I know a woman used to be in Brother Herbert Williamson's church when he pastored at Sturgis. She, uh, I'm I'm trying to think how, how much older she was than me. 
I don't know, 10 or 15 years probably older than me. But she was crippled up from polio. She had gotten polio as a child and crippled from polio, you know, had the braces on, and uh, oftentimes, you know, she, she would sing. She'd sing in the choir. She'd sing specials in the church. Uh, she, it was difficult for her to get up the steps. So when she sang a special in the church, she never got up on the up there because it was difficult. She would stand down here and just bring her microphone. And uh, every time I hear the one song, I'm trying to think of it. I think of her because that's the, the one song that she pretty much sang all the time. But she prayed. She couldn't go to the mission field. She was a single woman, never married. But she prayed fervently, daily, oftentimes during the day for missionaries. As the missionaries would come through, as they would send the prayer letters, she took it upon herself to see what those prayer letters, the, the missionaries' needs were, and she prayed. I was on her prayer list for a long time. Hallelujah. She prayed. And, I, and only heaven will tell what the prayers of the saints, your prayers, or prayers of saints on your behalf, what troubles you were delivered from or through because of the prayer of somebody that you might not know on this side that you're only going to find out in eternity. While you were going through that trouble, mom and daddy was over here praying. While you were going through that trial, I laid it on the preacher's heart to pray. <laughs> While you sent, when you sent out that prayer request from the mission field afar, Brother Bill and Sooner Rose Baptist Church prayed over that need that you sent in the prayer letter. And I heard the prayers of the saints of God and delivered. They had assistance. These men, through their trouble, through though they were pressed out of a measure, above strength, insomuch that they, they even despaired their life. Yet ye also helping together by prayer for us that the gift or that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. They were thankful for the prayers of the saints of God because they realized they could not do all that they did if it wasn't for the prayers of the saints of God. And then I've got two others here, abundant conversation and acknowledged rejoicing. Abundant conversation, and they kind of go hand in hand, and acknowledge rejoicing, verses 12 and 13, 14. So verse 12, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. For we write none other things unto you then, so our conversation, abundantly to you word. So, in other words, verse number 12, let's just deal with that one. Abundant conversation. You don't think that the word got back to the men, the Jews, that stoned him 
there that we read there in Acts chapter 14. <laughs> they stoned him, drug him out, thinking that he was dead. And then when they heard that Paul was preaching down in Derby, wait a minute. We thought we killed him. There's that conversation in the world. Word got out. Paul's still alive. He, I mean, and, and then just we could go on and on. When the when the he was on the shipwreck and he said, he said, God told me that I'm gonna live. I gotta go to, and I'm paraphrasing, I've got to go to Rome, present myself before Caesar, and everybody on the ship's gonna live, even though we're gonna wreck. Everybody's ship's gonna live. And then when everybody did live, huh, that's a conversation in the world. There's something about Paul. We need to be listening to him. And then when they throw the log on the fire and a viper came out and bit him, and those there on the island thought that he should be dead because they knew what kind of viper that was, and they thought that he was a god, he said, nope, that's a conversation of the world. Your sufferings and how you deal with your sufferings and your tribulation and your trouble is a testimony outwardly. You know, I don't know how in the world they have gone through that. I could have never went through that. And we just testify of the good graces of God. How do you, you know, how do you get through? How do you, and we testify of the good graces of God like these men are doing. That is a conversation outwardly, abundant conversation. But it says how much more. There's the abundant part. And more abundantly do you word. Again, what is he telling the Corinthian church here? We've suffered for your sakes. Your consolation, that you could be consoled in your sufferings and your troubles. We've suffered for your salvation. So that conversation is even greater among the believers than it is to those that's in the world. Because we as believers can look at others just like the couple that was out here a few weeks ago that sat at our table and shared some of their sufferings and their troubles and their trials and their deliverance from those things and what God done in their lives through those things and encouraged me at my table. And I'm going, woo! And gave me a little shot in the arm that I needed about my faith. So that abundant conversation, then the acknowledged rejoicing. Verses 13 and 14. For we write none other things unto you than what we read or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end, as also ye have acknowledged in, uh, us in part, that, ye, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 3, I preached this message, probably one of the very first three messages I preached. That sooner rose probably the week that I was here. Maybe then, I might have preached it on that February that I filled in for Brother Williamson while he was at the marathon. But we see this here in the second epistle to the Corinthians. To the Corinthians. We see it also in the first epistle to the Thessalonians. And other epistles that Paul writes to, we see that that they were that the Corinthian church here, even as ye are also ours, our what? Our rejoicing in the day of the Lord Jesus. 
We know that what God has allowed to come our way is for your consolation and your salvation. And when it's all said and done and we stand before God, as he tells the Thessalonican church, verse number 3, or 1 Thessalonians 3, 1, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good... Uh, nope, wrong place. Yeah, that's the right place, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Hang on a minute. I know I'm in the right place, but... Because it's one of my points over here. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's chapter 2. I must have... Anyway, so chapter 2. Let's go back up. Uh, verse number 14. For ye, brethren, came, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men. So the, the, the church at Thessalonica has suffered, and then he reiterates that they've suffered. Verse 16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is, uh, is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire, wherefore we would have uh, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, for ye are our glory and joy. He uses the words in the presence of his coming here in this text and in our, in, uh, in, in our text here in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, he uses in, in, in the day of the Lord Jesus that, that not only they would be rejoicing for Paul and Timothy and the other men's sake and what they'd done for the church and them as individuals, but then they as a church would be the preacher's rejoicing, as it says here, and the glory and joy, as it says in Thessalonica, because when it's all said and done, if I could suffer, and, and, he, and Paul had that heart, and again, going back to that attitude of affliction, he said, I would, in essence, you know, count myself, what was the word, count myself, uh, where he says, I would, I would go to hell if my people would come to the Lord. Huh? I count myself a curse. I couldn't get that word. I would count myself accursed. In other words, unsavable. If you would come to the Lord. He had that kind of attitude, and that's why he could face the things he faced, because he says, I'm going through this for their consolation. I'm going through this for their salvation. The things that I am going through is being discussed not only among the world, but among the churches. And if, if, if what I'm going through will help somebody else go through them, then it's all, it's not in vain. And when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be rewarded for it, 
And when you stand before the Lord, you will be my rejoicing and I will be your rejoicing when we stand before the Lord at that great uh, judgment seat of Christ. Let's see here. I had some other texts of Scripture, but I don't think that we're going to go there. I think we're done. So there's the message today. I'll go through the points again. We've seen the ability to comfort, the, uh, the abounding consolation, the attitude about affliction, uh, the Paul's agonizing trouble, uh, the assistance in prayer from the church of Corinth, the abundant conversation both in the world and in the church, and the acknowledged rejoicing in the fact that when we all get to the judgment seat, uh, we will understand and we will be rewarded for the things that we have, uh, that have come our way and that we've endured uh, in the will of the Lord. And even though those troubles and tribulations may be difficult at times, having the right attitude toward, toward them and about them, that it may help somebody else down the road is the right attitude to have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day and the many blessings you've given us, Lord. I don't know that troubles and trials, sufferings, at least at, to the extent that Paul and these other men have suffered, or I didn't even go, and, but I did think about earlier uh, those that we read about in the end part of uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, those that were sown asunder uh, for, the, for the cause of Christ, and others suffered the many things that they suffered there. Uh, Lord, but they, they suffered, uh, but they're in heaven rejoicing. Uh, and and, and, and um, experiencing the glory that's found on the other side of life. Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that their sufferings and the accounts of their sufferings in the Word of God, that we may be able to uh, take these accounts and apply it to our lives and to, to uh, be able to stand should tribulation, trials, and sufferings come our way. We pray that you'll help us to do so. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen, amen. I have a song of invitation. And uh, I know uh, it was touched on about salvation in the Sunday school hour. And, of course, in the past times you've heard preaching on salvation as well. And I don't know, the day might be the day that the Lord is dealing with your heart. And if so, then I invite you to come. If not, maybe you're suffering through some kind of troubled trial. You don't understand it all. Uh, then we invite you to come and just pray. Say, Lord, help me through my suffering. He's, he's the one that gives the covering. He gave the comfort to Paul. He gave the comfort to, to Timothy. Uh, and he'll give comfort to you too. Trust in that comforter. He's going to be with you forever. And find comfort in him through whatever tribulation or trial that you may be experiencing today as we sing.